Welcome to the Reimagined Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life in the community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuis. Today, on episode 106, we talk with Eric Ferris about the creation of the Lent experience and why preparing for Easter really matters. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hello. <laughs> hello. 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 Uh, <laughs> Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> You're looking dapper today, Brian. The new, yeah. new something you got going on over there. Yeah, it's funny. I, I wondered if that, that was like a new shirt. Yeah. You know, I was like, I've right? seen that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Well, y'all. As if you see the routine we wear. I appreciate it. I mean, I've only worn it the last three podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> it takes us a couple of times to, to yeah. recognize and take notice. I don't, I don't know. No, I don't no, know no. if it's the maroon color, if it's the gray stripe on the, uh, on the, on the Henley kind of going up there yeah. or what's going. But uh, yeah. it does look... Different, new, and nice. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel different, new, and nice. So <laughs> that's uh, that's what counts. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. tis yeah. the season. I know we're going to talk about Easter, but I want to back up a few weeks before that. Yeah. It is prime right now. It is. Uh, we're almost about a week away from opening day of baseball. Spring mm. training is going on. Yeah. We're coming to a close of, of of March Madness and the excitement that's flowing yeah. with that. Yeah. And we're getting ready to enter the hollow grounds. Of Augusta, yeah, oh, come on, yeah. <laughs> this is look, this is this the Goldilocks. This is like well, this is the Goldilocks. This is the culmination of what's yeah. of what's happening. And of course, we'll yeah. wait for the month of June for hockey to end and and NBA basketball. But that's yeah, sure. Too long away. No, no. Yeah, yeah. But this is like, I mean, are you watching these things? Are you following it's spring training? Training? Are you looking forward to the Masters? Or oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love all the things you just mentioned. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And we forgot to mention the explosion of pollen that will coat everything <laughs> <Yeah>. in a <laughs> fine green uh, yeah, yeah, yellow. So, yeah. uh, that's great, too. Yeah. 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 Our voices. You're going to notice a change here in the next couple we're of gonna weeks. Go, we're going to go back to preteen. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be bad. <laughs> a lot of flow days in the room. A lot of flow days. Hey, you just stayed on. You just used it all year long. Yes. You know, you're okay. Oh, yeah. So. That's my, that's my regiment. No, yeah, no, yeah. My but yes, yeah. Looking forward to all those. Now, now uh, you've, you've been, right, to the Masters or no? Mm-hmm. Am I making that up? No. Yeah, you've been. But if you were, I'd take it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I've, I've been a couple of times and yeah. I was telling Kelly, you know, what's, what's weird now that we've gone through a year where there wasn't fans or different things. I almost felt like you, you get in a lottery, right? Yeah. So I felt like in between every four and seven years we get, we would win practice round tickets. Yeah. I think now because of uh, COVID and the different guidelines or whatever, like that's now going to become like eight to 10 years now because they stopped the cycle. And they are doing some neat things to honor people who, if you got the lottery the last two years and weren't, you know, you couldn't come, they're they're starting back at that point. So you don't miss out if you actually wow. got the tickets, which yeah. I think is, is great. But that's just backing me up two more years, I, I think. So the lottery then is for a practice round. Any like any round, practice round or the or the actual tournament. Oh, okay. So you can get But the, you got but a you lot have to pay for it. I mean if you're chosen, you, you get, to, you get the chance the to ticket. purchase the tickets. Yes. And, and then, I imagine there's a difference between practice round and just a tab. Like the final round. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just All a right. tab. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, over the years, I mean, like, so we, we like Monday practice round because everything is pristine green. There's mm. not, a, I mean, not a blade of grass has been walked on. Yeah. But Tuesday round is good too because more players arrive on Tuesday. Monday can be more of a travel day. Mm. So yeah. do you want to see pristine or you want to see more people? Right. Wednesday's a par three. It's just really crowded. 
Mm. But I think if I had a chance, would I go? If I would I go to the final round? Absolutely. But I think you miss a lot in person than rather than watching it on TV because you get so many angles, you get so many feels. Like yeah, it's it's different. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, you know, you walk in and I look at the leader, the leaderboard and it's still the old, you know, hanging up like they do uh-huh. at, at Wrigley or whatever. And it's like, uh-huh. you just, you just weep in the hollow grounds of. Yes. Yes. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of like C.S. Lewis when he said, I, um, it's my desire to turn pleasure. <laughs> it's my de- <laughs> I'm just laughing about this. Like we're spiritualizing this moment. You're listening you know? to the whole in one podcast. <laughs> it's like what he said. It's like turning adoration. Mm. It's like turning my pleasures into the adorations of worship. You know, you walk in there and it's like, yes, uh, look yeah. at God's creation. Uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So I don't it's know. See God as creator, not father. Right? No, uh, I'm just kidding. Now, no, that's yeah, a yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's good. good. That's good. But it's a culmination. It's a good time. Yes, yeah. and, uh, sure is. Yep. yep. So well, good luck. I'm, I'm impressed. Good. Yeah. So, hey, I'm excited about today, though. Yeah, yeah. I am too. We are going to ride the Ferris wheel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've been thinking about that ever since. Like I knew this was coming. And I was yeah. excited about it. And of course, we're doing some of the uh, the lens study here. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, but just I loved I love that ride the Ferris wheel dot com. Yes. So we're doing it today. It's and uh, as we do that, we do we welcome Eric Ferris to the podcast. And Eric currently serves as executive pastor at Christ Community Church in St. Charles, Illinois. And uh, he's have has served several influential churches in the USA with uh, 25 years of pastoral experience mm-hmm. at multiple different levels, and then years of working with young people. Uh, and as a teaching pastor, uh, he's known for his love for the local church, bringing clarity and complexity and a straightforward approach to life and ministry. Eric and his wife Deanne have four children: Michael, Courtney, Aaron, and Katie. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, thank you for the invite. And I am, I'm a little bit confused about your conversation. So if you win the lottery, you get to go watch golf. In, in, in my world, winning the lottery is not having to watch golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is uh, podcast is about reimagining. It's about reimagining life yeah. and faith. Give it a try. We'll see. No. But, but let me back it up. If you do win those lottery tickets, you got my email. Let, just let me know. Yeah, yeah. there you go. I'll, I'll take the suffering yours. for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for, for me, golf is all about Jim Nance lulling me into a Sunday afternoon nap. Uh, yes. Yes. There you go. Yes. There you go. Yes. Hello, friends. <laughs> it is. Not- <laughs> uh, uh, one of the benefits. Yep. One so, benefits. well, appreciate you taking the time to be with us yeah. today and, and look forward to diving into uh, the conversation regarding to Lent. But if you could just share a little bit about your story and uh, how you arrived where you are and, and put in some time into that work. Yeah, my my church background explains the uh, Lent Experience Project a little bit. So I was raised in the Northeast Roman Catholic And what I always tell people about my Roman Catholic upbringing is it gave me a great respect for God, but I didn't really know much about who that God is. Mm. And so at about 15 years old, my freshman year of high school, I'm the, I'm the youngest of five kids. Uh, My brother, who is the oldest, eight years older than me, he went away to the air force when I was in fourth grade. Mm. The only thing I knew about my brother really, because we were eight years apart is that he got in a lot of trouble so a lot of fights with my parents. And so when he went away to the Air Force, Air Force for me, it was just like good riddance. Like the house was just quieter and more peaceful. When my brother was away at the Air Force, he started calling home, telling us that he had become what he was calling a born-again Christian. 
which uh, I didn't have any category for that. I didn't know what he was talking about. He invited me to a Christian music festival. Uh, I went because I wanted to get to know my brother better. Thought it'd be cool to hang out with some Air Force guys. And it was over the course of those days, just being at this Christian music festival, not a response to a sermon, not an altar call necessarily, just thousands of people that had a look in their eyes like they knew something about God that I didn't know. And it mattered to them on a very real level. And so when I went back home to New Jersey, I didn't know much about church outside of the Catholic church. And so this will this will date the story a little bit. These are BG days before Google. Uh, <laughs> I pulled out the phone book, looked through the yellow pages for the kind of church that my brother was going to. And so I started going to a an Assembly of God church in Princeton, New Jersey. Um, so my background is Roman Catholic and then Assemblies of God, which is a Pentecostal denomination, went to a Pentecostal Bible college, uh, youth pastored in an Assembly of God church, then uh, went to Tennessee and youth pastored at a non-denominational church with charismatic leanings. And I, I mean charismatic theologically, not charismatic methodologically, like style wise. Mm. Uh, then uh, to a non-denom church in the Chicago suburbs then to a vineyard church in Cincinnati, and now back at that non-denom church in Chicago. So I have a mixed bag of church experience uh, and with, with slightly different theological leanings. And so when people ask me where I am theologically, my answer is confused. Uh, I, I am convinced that Jesus is who he says he is and what he has accomplished for us on the cross. Um, and so that, that, drive, that drives everything I do. And I think Jesus was... Uh, Jesus was telling us the truth when he said he's going to build his church and that the church is his bride and that one day he's coming back for his church. And so I can't think of nothing better to spend my life doing than investing in the local church. Mm-hmm. Now, that music festival you talked about. Oh, uh, man, bring it. <laughs> was Keith Green included in that? I'm trying to understand the timing of. Uh, how, how old do you think I am? <laughs> Rich Mullins was Rich Mullins in there. <laughs> okay, so Rich Mullins would have been yeah. That, okay, you know, yeah, Carmen, I'm a yeah. little bit too young for Keith Green. Although I did listen to Keith Green, yeah, sure, a lot when I was a new believer. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's like uh, a no. So, necessity. so actually, the band that was playing on the stage, there was a moment where I was just sitting at a concert in a grass field, and at that point, I didn't even know I was really praying. Hmm. But I just sat in that field and it was, I thought it was just going on in my mind, but I, I, now when I tell the story, I know I was communicating it to God Hmm. and I just, I just said to God, God, if what these people is, if what these people know is you, I want to get to know you. The band playing on the stage was a band called Mylan and Broken Heart. Yes. <laughs> so, and anyone that knows that band can probably start to guess how old, how old it might be. It's, it's very, very interesting that like uh, you're listening to them, and, and I love I love how you just expressed that that in your mind you you know that you were communicating to God in a grass field in front of this band that was considered, you know not on any public radio or any kind of thing going on then. Mm. And the fact that Carmen didn't scare you into hell at one of his conferences or <laughs> con- <laughs> concerts <laughs> that you came to that decision. <laughs> so, uh, but you, now, you, you talk about those four elements uh, a lot. When did that, when did those four things really become passionate for you about the local church and what Christ has done for the church and his, and his return coming? I mean, those are four things I think at least I've seen in some reading and followings of what you're doing. Those are are critical things. Yeah. uh, 
I, I think I think sometimes we can identify our passion areas by what makes us mad or what makes us sad. Hmm. And so I've just learned over the years that my passion for the local church in some ways comes from a sadness. When I see people that will say things like, yeah, I like Jesus. I like what he taught. I'm all for Jesus, but they have reasons why they're disengaging from his church, whether it's people who have behaved badly or some, some uh, preconceived idea of what should happen at church that doesn't meet their expectations or whatever. People have lots of reasons why they say yes to Jesus, but no to his church. I don't think you can do that. I, I don't think that you can tell Jesus you love him and choose to hate the thing he loves the most, which is his bride. Mm. And so I, I think we skate on very thin ice when we choose to hate the thing that Jesus loves the most. Mm. And so it makes me sad when I see people disconnecting from the church um, and I, and when I say church, I'm talking about people, right? The gathered believers. I'm not talking about some organized institution, mm-hmm. although of course we know that churches are organized institutions. When people disconnect from the church, the enemy has a field day with them. Christianity is a team sport. It's not a solo endeavor. And so it makes me sad when I see people disconnecting. So I try to do everything possible to be a bridge, be a connection point for people. Um, and then it makes me mad um, in the best kind of way, I think, I mean, I know there's bad anger. Um, but it it makes me mad when people treat lightly what Jesus takes very seriously. And, uh, and I, and I think that some of that is the, the selfishness of the way that people approach church with a consumer mentality. I'm going to get everything out of it that I can. And if you don't meet my needs or my expectations, I'm going to take my ball and go home or I'm going to go down the street to the next church and I'm going to consume that program. A lot of you, like a lot of people are just jumping around consuming church programs and not thinking to themselves. There are real people at those local churches who are investing their time, their talent, their money to make those things happen. And then we have other people just going around consuming it like scavengers. Mm -hmm. And that, that makes a passion rise up in me to say, no, there's a better way to live, which is to actually be one of the people that are investing significantly in a local church. That's where the, the joy of Christianity and the real transformation and growth comes from. Um, so it's the sadness and the madness of how I think about the local church. Have you, I'm just thinking like the two things you just said, and then I look back over the last couple of years and I think I see things that have happened and you've had the disengagement of people, um, be, whether that be they just have found something better to do or they're a little more nonchalant about what they're doing with their involvement in a local church, um, consumerism, um, you know, the idea of coming and just doing these things. Well, if the percentage is still at 73 to 75% of people engaged back in the local church, then, you know, um, the, the conversation of we're not going to do these programs anymore. We're going to change these things. How have you wrestled through that with those scenarios the last uh, year or so? Yeah, I think one of this is going to sound probably weird to use the word blessing when it comes to COVID, but I do think one of the blessings of the pandemic has been it has forced us to go back to the basics and ask real questions like, what is the church? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the conclusions that people have drawn, and probably we're pastors, so we need to own some of this. If the mindset is that church is content to be consumed, why would I drive to a building? 
So if, if church is just about going, sitting in a room, singing some songs with a band and listening to someone teach, I legit can do that from my house, mm-hmm. which a lot of churches had to pivot and do, right? We were all streaming our worship services. If, if, if the substance of church is just consuming content, coming to a program to consume content, then why do we gather? Like we all know online can deliver content. So why would believers gather together? You follow me on this? Mm -hmm. So I think as pastors, we've had to wrestle with this and ask the question, what is church? What does it mean to to follow Jesus in community? Um, And when you start answering those questions, you start to realize church is much, much more Mm -hmm. than just content consumption. And so I actually think in some ways it's been a blessing to, to force all of us who are following Jesus to ask really basic questions about what Christianity is and what is, what is the life? If you go to the gospels and say, what is the kind of life that Jesus has invited us into that he has coached us towards and start answering those questions. Uh, I love the name of your guys podcast. The COVID has forced us to reimagine all of it, not, not make it up in our own minds, but to go back to Jesus and say, what is all of this? And so in some ways I think it's been, I think it's been good. I think it's also revealed to us what we have always known to be true, which is any church is a collection of people who are believers, like born again, spirit filled, have surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus believers. And then there's church attenders. Mm -hmm. And it sounds harsh to say, I don't mean, I don't mean to be harsh. Jesus talks about this a lot, right? Where anytime you collect people, you're going to have both of those categories and so I do think what we have seen some of is just a sifting of the church. Who, who are the believers and who are the people that have just been around church? And probably I think we might be looking at another great harvest in the United States of America, a spiritual awakening, mm-hmm. reawakening, because I think for some people it has caused them to realize I was at church. I was going to church, but there's nothing inside of me that is different. Like I, Like when you talk about being a new creation in Christ or being born again, some people, it was something as simple as COVID that caused them to completely walk away from Jesus in the church. And then something you have to ask the question, like, well, what was really going on intrinsically in the first place? So I think there's just a whole lot of good that has come from it. Yeah. 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 It certainly has brought on good questions, good conversations, good thoughts. And and I think, I think from that standpoint, we have to be really careful that on this side of pandemic that we don't just slip back into the old ways and old patterns. I think you've got to do the homework to reimagine and look at. I mean, I, I like the, I mean, exactly. We, I think most everyone has had to do that same thing. What are the base, you know, come on, you have to pull all the way back to the beginning and, and kind of start over with some of that. But it's, uh, I think sometimes we get into a situation or get into a flow that we like, we start settling back mm-hmm. into, and it's like, no, it, it, that wasn't right to begin with. <laughs> it's yeah. like you gotta you gotta look forward, you gotta move forward, but you gotta do the homework. I mean, there's work involved in that. Um, so yeah, yeah, so I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Lent experience. Uh, several years ago, uh, we're, we're using uh, the material that 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 you wrote on uh, here at Cool Spring, taking some life groups through that as well, and talk about um, the Lynn experience and how did that project come to be for you and making that, this is a, a vital piece of our, our formation. Yeah. The, 
I love the fact that you guys are a Baptist church going through the Lent experience because it's, uh, <laughs> in, in some ways it is exactly why the Lent experience was created. Okay. So uh, I already told you, I grew up Roman Catholic. So I grew up observing Lent as a Catholic, but never really understood the meaning behind it. It was, it was a simple exercise in what are you giving up for Lent? Mm-hmm. But I never really made any connection to any significance with that. Then there are others of us who grew up not knowing what Lent is or why we should even care. Like, it's just like something that like those religious people over there do the Catholics, maybe the Lutherans. Um, and so the Lent experience was designed to bridge those two worlds. And the reason I created the project was as pastoring here at Christ community church in Chicago suburbs, lots of Catholics and ex Catholics. So we have a lot of ex Catholics in our church. And I thought, gosh, I wonder if I could create a project that takes the best of what Lent is supposed to be and helps people really draw near to God and seek Jesus in the season leading up to Easter. And so I think it was 2013 we started, no budget. It was just a random idea. Uh, I, I still have the pencil drawings. I just sat down with a notepad and kind of like sketched what, I, what, what I'd want it to be. Uh, launched a website with no budget. So it was a terrible website. It looked terrible. It wasn't well designed. Uh, I think like 500 people found it that year uh, and went through the Lent experience. I learned some things the next year, tweaked it a bit. And on Ash Wednesday, that second year, so I think that was 2014, 10,000 people visited the website on Ash Wednesday mm-hmm. with no marketing. Like I was like, Whoa, I must be onto something here. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was I was playing in a space that nobody else was playing in, right? The Catholics and the Lutherans, they, they're, they're the ones that do Lent and all of us Protestants, we're just, uh, we're just over here ignoring it. And so I realized there was some kind of interest. So I can't work. The project has had several iterations. Um, but that, that is really, really how the project started was trying to bridge the world between Catholics and Protestants. You talk about uh, you talk about a preparing uh, for Easter. Why do you see that as significant? Why do, why is that important uh, to prepare ourselves um, uh, for Easter? Yeah. So the the genius of the liturgical calendar is that it it invites us to focus on different things in different seasons, and so Lent, of course, the season leading up to Easter. You contemplate things like your sinfulness, your mortality, what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us, why it was necessary. And so I think the way I would answer your question is to hold hold doing something on purpose in the season leading up to Easter versus just showing up for an Easter worship service. And so for anybody listening to your podcast who, you know, like uh, that might be like consistent church attenders or inconsistent church attenders, right? So people that come to worship on Christmas and Easter, which is a good thing. And you ask the question, what is more meaningful? What, what, what might be more life-changing for me doing something over the course of 40 days, putting some effort into that or showing up for a 60 to 90 minute church service. And so I think preparate, it's not about, I I do think you get more out of the Easter service when you go through something like the Lent experience, Mm -hmm. but it's not just about doing something over 40 days so that that Easter service is more meaningful to you. 
It's about focusing on something significant over the course of 40 days. And that in itself has meaning. I love that answer. I was in a conversation with somebody the other day and um, talking about Lent and the experience and just asking, hey, you know, you're doing the, the Lent experience. I'm doing the Lent experience. You, you know, do you think when you show up on Easter Sunday, there's going to be this magical aha kaboom like it's so different? Or where do you what do you think your participation has done in this? And the answer without a blink back was, well, I'm more aware I, I, I become more aware of, of paying attention to what Christ has done because I'm doing this. I don't know if it's going to feel, mm-hmm. feel as in quotes different mm-hmm. or not on that, that Sunday we choose as Easter. But I know for these days I'm doing more now and thinking about that than I have before. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's an affirmation to even your thought of like, that. that's what it's about. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have fish on Friday, by the way, but that outside of that, um, <laughs> is that grilled or, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, my my mother came out of a Roman and Italian Catholic background, so I understand that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yep, yep. Good. So um, during the Lent experience, people walk through different challenges, um, and uh, the challenges are related to traditional Lenten practices, uh, so fasting and silence and solitude and almsgiving and uh, repentance and uh, forgiveness and Bible reading. Um, I think I got, I at least got most of them. Okay. All right. (laughs) I don't think I can achieve all that. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I can't do that off the top of my head. Uh, So I'm curious, you know, having, having seen this at work in people's lives, having uh, the feedback and um, uh, do you find that, that there are certain practices that people like resonate with more and certain practices that people run away uh, in fear over when it, when it comes to uh, the ones that are listed there that people go through. I, I know I have, I have a story or two, but I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear what you've experienced with that. Yeah, no doubt. There is one discipline in the Lent experience that people consistently tell me was the most difficult or the most scary for them going into it. Uh-huh. And interestingly enough, it's not fasting. And actually in the first few years of Lent experience, like we, it wasn't just like one day of fasting. It was like two to three days of like straight fasting. So it was like the bar was set really high those first few years. And still with the bar being that high, fasting was not the discipline that people found the most difficult. Oh, I have a guess on what it might be. <laughs> what do you, what do you think it was? Take a guess. Uh, I'm going to guess silence and solitude. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And I think what happens is people realize that we're always around noise. We're always talking or hearing other people talk or we get in our cars and we turn on talk radio or we turn on music. We are always around noise. Mm -hmm. And even in our prayer lives, without even really knowing that that's, it's what's happening. Our prayer lives are not a conversation. We are always talking to God, but never listening for God. And so silence and solitude strips away all of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it makes people uncomfortable or if it's just the discipline of doing it. Um, but when we read in the gospels, when the crowds are pressing in on Jesus or things are getting really busy and it says, and Jesus went and found a place to go be alone with the father. And I think what the silence and solitude discipline makes us realize is I don't think we do that quite enough. 
And then we wonder why we have a hard time uh, knowing the promptings of the Holy Spirit or hearing the Father's voice guiding us in our lives. And I think it's I think it's might be as simple as we've never learned how to listen. Have you, as you have participated with lots of people, what are some ways that you've really seen people's lives change because of participating in in the mindset of Lent and and growth and challenge with that? Uh, I I have a few answers to that. One is people's embracing of seasons of the year where they can draw near to God in particular ways. So Advent invites us to a particular thing. Lent invites us to a particular thing. Easter, Christmas, right? Ascension, you know, some denominations. It's interesting. Ascension is one of those like completely forgotten about moments, which is a big deal, right? When Jesus ascends <laughs> to, to claim kingship over his creation, that's it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I think it's the removal of Lent as some stuffy religious obligation and thinking of it as an invitation during a particular season to draw near to God in a very particular way. So I think it removed the mystery for it removes the mystery for people. What is this confusing, weird religious thing? Uh, the second thing is people come to realize that God is always tells the truth. And when he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you, people experience the nearness of God in a variety of ways that they don't otherwise. Uh, the third, the third one is the reality that God is telling the truth when he says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so what I have heard over the years is the answers are so varied and what people experience, you know, some of them say it was while I was away, science and solitude. Some say it was a cumulative effect of the whole thing. It's so many different ways that God rewards people who seek him. And sometimes it's just a word he speaks into their life or it's this breakthrough moment or some habit that they've been a slave to for years. They realize that they're a slave to it and they're set free from that. It's, it's as, it's as varied as the people who engage in the experience. Mm. Those are those are great. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's a. Uh, I, mean, I got to re-listen to that. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. it's it's themes. I mean, it's it's themes of of what Scripture talks about. Like, and there's unique stories to each of those. But I love the way you just put those in. Yeah. Themes yeah. of of biblical truth. Yeah. yeah. Are we willing to trust? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your recent work, The Spirit Within, getting to know the person and purpose of the Holy Spirit. Um, what were you seeing as that led you to that that work? Yeah. So this is this is another resource that probably emerges from my very church background. So I think there are two tragic mistakes that Christians tend to make regarding the person of the Holy Spirit on one extreme is a preoccupation with the Holy Spirit, right? So these are, these are the, these tend to be more in the charismatic Pentecostal type camps of which I am one. So I can, you know, speak to this without, it's not throwing, it's not throwing stones necessarily. Um, but a preoccupation with the Holy Spirit. And there, there's, there tend to be a weirdness, uh, an infatuation with the gifts, all the manifestations that come with, with the Holy Spirit. 
On the other side, the other tragic mistake is ignoring the Holy Spirit as if he is not the third member of the Trinity, right? And so uh, when, I, when, I have, when I have found myself in Pentecostal or charismatic settings, I have often found myself saying things like, uh, hey, you know, the Bible has something to say about how we're behaving. You know, it's always like this all spirit, it's all spirit, spirit led and everything is blamed on the Holy Spirit. Right. And so and in some ways people do weird things and say, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do that. And so when I'm in the Pentecostal and charismatic settings, I found myself being the guy saying, all right, but the scriptures are what guide us. And yes, to the Holy Spirit. Yes, to a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Then when I'm in like the more reformed settings um, or settings that tend to want to ignore the Holy Spirit. Uh, I have found myself saying, okay, there is a Trinity, but it's not Father, Son, Bible. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I am intrigued by the fact that Jesus told his disciples, it's better for you that I go away. Think about that. It's better for you that I go away, because when I go away, I will send you the helper who is the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you, and he will be in you. And he actually tells the disciples, you're going to continue, continue the mission I started, but don't even dare try it. Don't even start until the Holy Spirit comes. I think that one of the reasons Christians struggle so much is they're trying to live the Christian life without the helper. And it was never imagined to be that way. Yeah. Yeah, I like uh, I like the way you describe both of those extremes. But then you you call you call us to um, what's called a radical middle. And uh, can you say some more about about what that looks like? Yeah, so that is actually a phrase that comes out of the Vineyard Movement. So here is my uh, my five years pastoring in a in a Vineyard Church. Um, I I love the notion, right? It is it is the idea of avoiding the extremes. Uh, so the, the analogy in uh, the book is the amusement ride, the Gravitron. You guys ever been in one of these things, right? Oh, you get yes. in this thing and start <laughs> yeah. spinning one and time. Yeah. <laughs> and interestingly enough, right? So this thing starts spinning really fast. And as you know, the centrifugal force picks up, you're get, you get stuck to the wall. Mm-hmm. And that force tries to push you to the outside. But the ride operator is standing right in the middle of the Gravitron and is not subject to the pressures of being pushed to the outside extremes. And I think we could actually live like that as Christians. If you think about a lot of the arguing or a lot of the, a lot of the dysfunction that happens in Christian settings, it's often arguments about the extremes. And so like some, somebody might, somebody might say, well, you know, I was in, I was in a church service once and I saw someone doing something really weird and disruptive. And they said it was because of the Holy Spirit. And so now I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. That is an extreme reaction to one person being weird. Mm. Um, or, or you could, you could go the opposite. You could go the opposite way. So what, what the book is, it's an exploration of the scriptures to say, Jesus told us, that it was better for us if he went because he was going to send us the helper. What did he mean? And why is it better? Mm. And what is the Christian life? Uh, what is the Christian life that is spirit led, spirit filled? And I, and I don't think that that is just like 
the charismatic denominations or the Pentecostal denominations get to say, well, we have the Holy Spirit, but all the other Christian denominations don't. That's nonsense. Mm -hmm. There is, if, if you think about the fact that the only way we come to understanding who Jesus is in the first place is a work of the Holy Spirit to open our spiritually blind eyes, to see the truth of who Jesus is. So if you are a Christian, you are a Christian because of the drawing work of the Holy Spirit, fruit, like transformation, all of the, all of the, the good fruit of our lives is coming from a work of the Holy Spirit. I don't think there is any such thing as a not spirit filled church. If you have a church, if you have a gathered group of believers, by definition, that is a spirit filled church because the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, yeah. uh, it's kind of a, in, in some ways, it's the same kind of project as the Lent experience, trying to bridge a bunch of different worlds. Yeah. I, I love, uh, I love in the book, how you keep bringing us back to scripture, showing that, man, the the intention you say in there, the intention of the Holy Spirit isn't just, isn't to make us more weird, but to make us more loving. Uh, and to see that as a fruit of the Spirit's work in our lives, not just individually, but also as the body, as we gather together, um, such an important, such an important point there. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you think about the Trinity father, I can understand like God is a heavenly father. I understand the concept of what a good loving father should be. So I can grasp that concept and Jesus. Yeah. I like Jesus. I can read about him, right? I can see what he did, what he said. So you have the father, you have the son, and then the Holy spirit, like people kind of treat him like he's the crazy uncle of the Trinity. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess he could show up to the family reunion, but I don't want much to do with him. Mm. Um, And to think of when, when I say it like this, I think it makes it more obvious. I don't think any of us would say, yeah, I want the Holy spirit and Jesus, but I don't want the father. And they wouldn't say I want the Holy spirit and the father, but I don't want Jesus. But a lot of Christians, whether they would say it out loud or not operate with this in their head, Yes to the Father, yes to the Son, the Holy Spirit, optional. I, I'll just, maybe I'll get around to that stuff, but maybe the Holy Spirit is the stuff for the super ninja Christians. But I'll, I'm just okay being an average normal Christian. Holy Spirit is like the sideshow for the ninjas. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where, how that crept into the church, um, but I think, it, I think it has in a lot of churches. And the book in some ways is trying to correct that. Yeah. It's good. The yep. Weird, crazy uncle. That that is the truth. Yeah, and maybe it's our perception because of people's demonstration of it. Or I mean, I'm, I'm like you. Where did that creep in? And and why do, why does that freak us out? Why does that concept of the Holy Spirit working in us freak us out? Well, not so much freaks out. Is it's just I think it comes back to a a poor doctrine of God and understanding of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and how that works in the three and one and the constant motion. I mean, mm-hmm. go into those, but it's like, it's yeah. just this, um, it's this misunderstanding or this lack of understanding because you can't have God without the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit is God. So it's this, it's this aspect of you can't just dislodge one of the three and create a God that you want, that you're comfortable with. I think that's, 
that's Western Christianity to, to a certain extent. We we have a tendency to accentuate one of the three, and they're all it's three and one, you know. So it's this. It's I, I don't know. I I'll get off and chase another rabbit, but <laughs> maybe it's because I've been reading too much. Yes. You know, it's like yeah. I've, it's like book fourteen now on the Trinity. You know, this year, so it's like all good. So, but is yeah. it the tension too within inside of us? We only want to be used, but so much, or we don't want to give, but so much up, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit while it's there, the continual yielding to it. Mm. is the tension of, I don't want to give myself up further to this. Could be. Mm. Holding on. I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer. I'm just no. thinking about, you know, kind of what Eric, you're saying, how did this come about? Where's yeah. what's happening in people's yeah. lives? But yeah, um, yeah it's interesting. Yeah. I had a, I had a conversation last night with our, with our children at the dinner table about um, that passage. You were talking about John 14, you know, he's going to send the helper and he'll be with you and in you. And, and so what, what it looks like to, to walk with Jesus uh, throughout your day, you know, um, by the power of the Holy Spirit and and not just like what would Jesus do type of thing. Like, you know, Jesus is always watching you. Although I made sure to mention that, but I, <laughs> but, but also this idea of, you know, how, how, how much, how would I talk to Jesus? Um, what would I ask Jesus about throughout the day? If, uh, if I knew that he were right there with me. Um, so uh, we, I think it was a good conversation we had with them, but <laughs> about some of those ideas uh, that you brought. Yours is better books. than mine. We were like doing blood pressure. Oh. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> took their blood pressure. <laughs> Came out like a family dinner. Everybody was doing it. You know, it's like, oh, that's weird. You know, hey, everyone day. has their own ritual. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's an age thing, right? Yeah, no, but these yeah. are my, my young kids, like 22, 23, all the way yep. to 30, and my wife and hey, everything else. Never too early. No, never no, early. no. <laughs> the, the, the talk of death. <laughs> God's watching. Yes. Yes. From, from but, death we came and death we will return. Yeah. Yeah. It's all Lent. It's a whole Lent thing. Yeah. 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 The end is near, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, well, uh, Eric, I certainly appreciate you coming yeah, on the podcast absolutely. today. And certainly I know uh, our community has uh, benefited or is benefiting from the, mm-hmm. just the conversation of Lent and the work that you've put into it. And yeah. uh, certainly some of the other conversations that, that we've had as well. So how is it uh, that people can connect with you? Where can they learn more about the work that you're uh, participating in? So ridetheferriswheel.com. Love it. Love it. Website where a lot of these resources live. It is a, it is a fun website name, but it is terrible in terms of marketing. (laughs) My my website. So they tell you your website name should actually like be findable on a Google search engine and tell you what the website's about. Mine does not. Uh, but my last name is Ferris, and so I call it what I want to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, question I'll, for I'll, you, though. I'll, question. I'll, You've got a Ferris wheel actually in motion on the – where is that Ferris wheel from? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> He's just you laughing around. I'm like, like look at I said, oh, that's like a real thing. You know, it's moving around. I said, like, yeah. where is that from? You know, I want to go see that. But uh, no, okay. So, yeah, sorry, he just blew it up for me. That's okay. That <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only thing that has any meaning on my website in terms of the design of it is the logo of the website. Uh, all the okay. Ferris wheel cars yeah. are very intentionally colored and made – like to kind of look like 80s arcade. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, because I'm a child of the 80s. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. that's, and the ABF, of course, is for Ferris. But yeah. Um, yeah. Ride, ride the Ferris wheel.com is where any any resource that I'm 
creating or playing with or thinking about it all. That's kind of like the, the landing place for that stuff. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for the invite, guys. Keep yeah. up the good work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the podcast. And as always, you can listen to the Reimagine podcast in a variety of ways. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or Overcast. Download and rate any of the episodes. And you can also check us out on reimaginecast.com. So for Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagine podcast. Thank you.